Hello and welcome to Mosh Pet. I'm Cy Beckwith and I'm flying solo for this episode. No Ellie Kumar, she's off presenting the news as usual. Be something big, World War 3, alien invasion, someone's robbed the big Morrisons in Jarrah, that sort of thing. So I'm presenting you with a very special episode. This week I caught up with host of new podcast, Punk Rock Elite, a podcast all about the band NoFX. Caught up with host Eddie French, who I've known for years through doing stand-up comedy. They co-host that podcast with Red Redmond, who is also a stand-up comedian. Had to listen to it already. It's very, very good. If you're into punk rock, you're going to absolutely love it. If you're into NoFX, you're going to love it even more. Eddie tells us more about that podcast, so I'll hand over to me and Eddie now, having a lovely chat about Punk Rock Elite. Hello, Eddie, and welcome to Mosh Pet. Thank you for having me, Si. It's lovely to be here. I love what you've done with the place. It's all right, isn't it? I mean, we won't yeah. let people see at home, but we've both got lovely offices. Oh, yeah, yeah. Full of full of vital things that aren't mess and clutter at all. Um, or Everything serves a, a direct and valuable purpose. But mess is punk, though, isn't it? And that feeds yeah. in nicely to <laughs> yeah, your yeah. podcast. God, I'm good. Your podcast, of course, <laughs> Punk Rock Elite. Eddie, do you want to tell me yes. about your podcast? Yes, Punk Rock Elite is a podcast that I do with Red Redmond, and it is, uh, it's not as highfalutin as it sounds. It's named after a No Effects song. It's about No Effects. Um, no Effects is a center to talk about other things, but because No Effects are, are calling it quits after 40 years, or as a live band, certainly, um, we thought that now would be a time to talk about them and what those 40 years look like and how they've changed and the scene inverted commas and all the rest of it so we we thought they were a good lens through to look at modern punk rock would you have done a podcast about no effects if it wasn't 40 years and they weren't calling the quits like where did they rank in terms of your favorite bands of all time they're in my top 10, definitely, possibly even top five. I don't really, I find favorites very hard to do because it changes like like the breeze. Side. You know, it, it depends on what mood you're in. But um, no, and I also think that them not being mine or Red's favorite bands, um, favorite band, I don't know what the tense is, but yeah, um, that sort of means that we're not too beholden to any kind of legend or legend or or received wisdom about them because we're i i don't think we would have done it if they hadn't have been calling it quits because it if you're into punk and you grew up in the 90s no effects was just there same as you know bad religion in fact to us sort of you know to our generation no effects is sort of kind of old school you know, it's, it's it's like you know that's what um, you know people who who were there for seventy six, seventy seven. You know, they think of probably no effects, bad religion, rancid, all of these lot as the sort of the new ones still, and the new ones are now forty years old <laughs> as bands. So it's sort of an interesting perspective. So that's probably why it occurred to me to ask Red to do that. 
It's a good choice. Like, 40 years is a lot longer than I thought they'd been together as well. Because even, like, they were a band that I got into, but I still thought of them as the new ones. Because I got into 70s punk first. The first band I ever seen live was Stiff Little Fingers. And oh, then wow. I discovered Wonderful. a band like Green Day and Rancid. And I remember me mate mm. giving it to Pile of CDs, which was Rancid, The Vandals, and No FX's Punk and Drublick album. And that Amazing. was my first sort of introduction to them. But they're yeah. never a band that I've stayed with. Yeah. So why are they a band that you've stayed with? I I don't know. There was something there was something revelatory about them and it was it wasn't Punk and Droblick that drew me to them so much. It was their band So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes which came out 98 or 99 there or thereabouts and it was very fast and it was also a lot less heavy, I suppose. The guitars weren't as abrasive. It wasn't like like on Punk and Droblick, for example, like the production and some of their earlier stuff, the production sounds like a metal record. Yeah. Great point. Just played differently. <laughs> Whereas they the the guitars were a little cleaner and there was a lot less low end. It's quite a trebly sort of album, but so it's sort of abrasive in a different way. Um, but there were so many great songs on there and they had a brilliant blend of the sort of the ska punk, but without the, um, without the sort of the grinning punk rock. We did a, we did an interview with, uh, Robin Leach from Random Hand, um, and they are sort of, they're a ska core, ska punk, punk rock band. Uh, a lot more in the vein of like Cap Down or Operation Ivy, something like that. A lot less real big fish, sort of, yeah. you know, none of them are dressed up. I keep on saying this, but none of them are dressed as bees. None of them are <laughs> like, you know, grinning and stuff. It's all quite abrasive and and it's sort of that that vibe to it. And so there's all of that stuff on that on that album. And so I've sort of been with them ever since and I found it really interesting how their sound has changed while staying quite similar in that they've become a lot less heavy um but but no less upfront or sort of a, a aggressive and they went from writing songs about um <laughs> having breast augmentation surgery through to you know actually trying to get a a sitting president out of office uh, and not serve a second term and and were just as convincing both times so i think that's possibly why and they've just sort of always been there and they've always every few years turned in a record that i've always at least enjoyed if not really really enjoyed so i think that's possibly why that's great and i think yeah. always being there is a really good point that a lot of punk bands mm. just aren't like my favorite band of all times green day because for me they've right. always been there and i've had that different relationship where sometimes i've dropped off i didn't particularly enjoy warning listen back yeah, years later and discovered actually it's, it's all right you know it's a good album it's not as bad as what i thought it, it was it's okay um i've not gone back and listened to it for a little while but um yeah i remember when warning came out that was it it felt sort of a natural it, it was the way that um, Nimrod was going. Yeah. But I think I think the pendulum overswung a little bit. That's how I felt. Maybe. I mean, I got that CD, I listened to it, I didn't like it, and I stood on it, which, looking back, was an overreaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
but you know, teenagers will do what we will do. Absolutely, the the world is uh, the world is very black and white in those days, and so if and and that's sort of one of those things is that also big having um, being a band like Green Day or No Effects, having them there as you get older as well, and because they are sort of permanently about eighteen years older than you are. You know, the, they started when they were teenagers. They started the year I was born, giving wow. away my age there. But, you know, so no effects has been a thing as long as Eddie French has been a thing. And even though the parallels aren't massive, they're not, I didn't grow up like any of them. I didn't, you know, the, my, my life is not similar to any member of the band, past or present. But there is something that, you know, that is it that band has existed in the same bit of history as me and for some reason i'm finding that an appealing thing to think about even though it's probably just self-aggrandizement it's really lush that like that you've been yeah. there as long as them i think it's a good thing to do a podcast about but also i'm just realizing yeah. now are you subtly doing this to let everyone know you're turning 40 and it's your birthday as well is the whole podcast no. just a ruse for a big party eddie absolutely not no um no my um my attitude towards my own birthday is one of um uh derision and disdain uh i admire birthdays in other people but i've never i've never enjoyed celebrating mine so i'd rather i'd rather celebrate this um than uh than my birthday but no <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure i know fx appreciate that as well it's very nice oh, I, I i imagine they're, they're all breathing a collective sigh of relief knowing that <laughs> Knowing that I'm sacrificing my fortieth fortieth year for theirs, I don't know. The good kind of person you are. With no effects oh. growing as well, do you feel like you've grew in a similar way with them? So when they got more political, were you getting more political? It happened to coincide with that, yeah, because they released War on Errorism, um, which was their most outwardly political. Well, they they started a little bit with the decline in ninety nine. And I found that interesting because one, it was an 18 minute song. Um, it's still one of my favorite things that they've done. It's it's just wonderful. But they did an 18 minute song as a single EP, and it's got more social stuff on it. There's stuff about um Second Amendment stuff, gun act gun rights activists, um uh the sort of the the Christian evangelical influence on American politics and stuff like that, without it being sort of party political i suppose and then a couple of years later while i was at uni when i was probably when i was about 20 they released uh war on errorism which was heavily influenced by their pushback to george w bush's possibly yeah first um uh first term as president and all of the sort of the post 9 11 you know forever wars in the middle east being waged and all of you know all the rest of it so that was that felt like they were having very much a come down from the 90s when everything was kind of fine <laughs> you know for for americans and and otherwise um you know it, the the 90s were considered to be pretty good really the cold war no longer a thing and so just going around going oh this this brave new world we can all go into and then right at the beginning of the 21st century something something wild happens out of nowhere well, not out of nowhere, but to the most people, it was out of nowhere as far as we were concerned. And so, yeah, 9-11 happened 
about a week and a half before I went to university. So I'd had the last few years going, no, you got to work hard, get to university, and then the whole world will be wide open for you. I'm like, is there going to be a world in a week? Because it seems frightening now. Um, so, so yeah, so I think, um, so I think that definitely did uh, sort of change. And then, yeah, I th- I th- so yeah, actually, I hadn't really drawn that parallel before, but that does seem to be uh, one of the ways that they did have that impact well because they they were really political was it no fx who did the not my president t-shirt with a picture of they did yes because i remember seeing a lot of people wearing that which i'd also be like but you're from jarrah tony like he's not your president (laughs) which exactly yeah well very american political and it's really interesting how that carried over that Mm. because i still identified with their message even though it wasn't directly like affecting us yeah yeah absolutely well it was there was still that thing of you know, t- Tony Blair, who was sort of considered to be something of a, a darling in the in the nineties when he came in, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure you recall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after nine eleven and the and you know going off to get involved in a war in a country that apparently hadn't had anything to do. Well, how does this all make sense? We don't know what's going on, and then all of this stuff, and so it was almost more of a letdown. Because we thought that that wasn't what you know, so yeah. so there was that. So I don't know if anyone did a not my prime minister T-shirt, but I think also that harkens back to I think No Effects saw that as their opportunity to be like uh, Dead Kennedys and Jello yeah. Biafra and all of that stuff. You know, absolutely at the core of it, rabidly political. And you know, the funny the funny thing is, is um, I was listening to there's a brilliant uh, podcast called No Dogs in Space. Um, uh, done by one of the last podcast on the left guys and his wife uh, and they did a series the history of the dead kennedys and um and it sort of pointed out that um california uberales that one of their big big songs was about this this guy governor jerry brown and i never looked into it and i thought oh he must he sounds like a bad sort he was just a sort of middle of the road wishy-washy liberal guy <laughs> But that wasn't good enough for Jello Biafra, so he wrote this song, really having a go at him. Uh, I, I, I expected him to be one of these sort of evangelical, you know, extreme far right guys, and he really wasn't. <laughs> but uh, so you know, they had. So I think they finally had a sort of a political place, and also I think they all had kids by then, and you know, the world was looking like a very different place to that fun-loving nineties and stuff like that. So. It's impressive as grown-ups that they soundtracked a lot of rebellion and protest. That was the first time I really started understanding protest was the protest at the Iraq war mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. like that. The soundtrack of that was punk rock. Like There was loads yeah. of bands, but it was mainly American bands, I think, really bought into that a lot yeah. more. With the Rock Against Bush albums, were they led by NoFX as well? That was that was Fat Mike and Fat Records. Yeah, those two um, got them up on the shelves uh, there somewhere. Yeah, that was because... Um, but that was also part of because um, there was the peace war compilation mm-hmm. uh, in, in the in the eighties and stuff. Compilations have always been a massive part of punk rock, and yeah. the, and I, I don't know if they're happening as much these days. I, I must admit, my finger is slightly off the pulse as as the real as real life gets in the way as it always does. But you know that was how 
we got into stuff was was the yeah. um the punkaramas the the fat music for fat people and all the fat record stuff um nitro did some as well mm-hmm. and i think there was uh, was it kung fu the vandals label they they had them as well and they were you know new new ones of those and you suddenly go oh a lag wagon oh that sounds like a fun thing to have a ride in let's try one <laughs> of those and you know and and so it was that which was one step up from reading the liner notes where they thank every band that they've ever met but seemingly you know yeah. just have these huge lists and you're like and sort of looking and they go oh they didn't thank that band i wonder if they are fr-, you know and uh, and it's it's such a weird uh thing but you sort of put together all of these weird words and yeah. phrases and and put them all together and bracket i wonder <laughs> if they're any good you know you just had no clue but then with a um a fat compilation you could get that, oh, well, I know what brackets sound like now, mm-hmm. or at least one of their songs. And those uh, Rock Against Bush um, things, I think there was uh, there was a DVD on one of them as well with some little um, uh, some documentaries and stuff. I think Will Ferrell pretending to be George Bush at a ranch, just improvising weird stuff. Oh, that rings a bell. Uh, I've not even thought about that since I would have first seen it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, 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 and they were good as well. They were good. Um, they were good compilations. They had good good bands on it and stuff i remember yeah. the i think that they did a second one because foo fighters and green day contributed tracks to it as well and so um and which ties into fat records which we mm-hmm. talk about a lot and how sort of important a, a label that is for certain sounds and and how it is this perfect little independent label that can do what it wants and frequently does and that's the exciting bit so yes that's the, so yeah so that sort of aspect of protest and and then they sort of stepped away from that and and i think they i mean i've seen them talk about their the demographic of their gigs you know who goes to their gigs anymore it is people who are closer to our age than you know, then you, it's like, um, my, my girlfriend has seen Stiff Little Fingers loads, right? Mm-hmm. And I love Stiff Little Fingers, but that's because her uncle, who is getting on for 60 now, big Stiff Little Fingers fan. So when Emma was a teenager in her early 20s, get, you know, listening to all sorts of stuff, he's like, come on, we're off to see fingers again, we're off to see fingers again, come on, come on, you know. And so it must be that what that is what must it feels that that's what it must feel like for mm-hmm. people in their twenties and stuff going to see no effects. Like, Oh, let's go and see this legacy band. It's like going to yeah. see the Rolling Stones or something. It's sort of, and that's such a terrifying thought, you know, <laughs> you know for, from my perspective, but, but it has to be that way. You've got to let it, you've got to let it pass on, you know? Well, it's handing it down, like it's you pass on that sort of yeah. band. And it is a shame when you feel like they're not as new and fresh as exci- and exciting, but then, like once you get past a certain age, all new music's rubbish anyway. It's, it's just not it's not what I like. Good music. We yeah. actually stopped when I stopped listening to new music. It just stopped at the same time being exciting and new. Of course it did. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I've sort of I've been trying to go and see new bands, young bands. Admittedly, they are making music that sounds old, but they are young at the same time while they're doing it. So you know, it's um. It, it it is that thing of once you stop looking for it, you will stop finding it. Yeah. But the moment you start looking for it again, it'll just appear. Stuff like Bandcamp is amazing for that kind of thing. You know, they because they've got a nice little algorithm. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, I, I see you're listening to Bob Villain. Would the ancient, decrepit individual like to listen to something else? Can you handle that? Go, yes, please. Thank you. I will. <laughs> Thanks. 
um you know and, and also going to see bands you know like yeah. I, I saw bob villain last year and um they had uh, the wonderful uh, witch fever mm-hmm. uh on with them as well and uh, yeah, emma and i went to see uh gel who were a, a, an american hardcore band we saw them at boom in leeds the other day um that was uh super exciting i hadn't been to a hardcore show in such a long time and it was Really, really cool seeing all of the young people at the front throwing the same '80s shapes, the windmilling oh, and the, all that stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. And then, and then the sort of those of us with flecks of grey and bits of receding whatnot, and this, that, and the other stood. Go, well, of course, the sound is better by the sound desk. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, oh, so I, yeah. I just wanted to point out. It's funny that you mentioned that. You know, you got big into stiff little fingers. The Northeast is such a hotbed of SLF fans. Yeah, the Northeast apps. I don't know what I don't know which record shop in Newcastle or whatever just got an excess of Stiff Little Fingers records and sold them off for cheap. Because... I can tell you, Pet Sounds, Pet Sounds. I bought. I was remember it? I was thinking about this yesterday. They oh, had always God. had a copy in, and I remember getting inflammable material from there because weirdly I was listening to it yesterday. But mm. I think one of the reasons it's so big up here is because they play every March around St Patrick's Day every year right. because mm. Jake Burns used to live up here. He was married to a Geordie. He's a Newcastle fan as well, isn't he? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because that makes sense. Because um, I know um, Ginger from the Wild Hearts has always talked about Stiff Little Fingers, yeah. and he was like, when I was growing up, everyone liked the Clash, but Stiff Little Fingers were our Clash. And he said, and, and he couldn't really explain it why either. Now I've got a, I've got a, the pound shop was doing some um, years ago. They were doing some uh, vinyl frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, you know, like uh, record frames, and uh, the four I've got up next to my desk, I've got the Gangs All Here, the Dropkick Murphys, I've got um, Nobody's Heroes, my stiff little fingers, right. I've got um, the fifth Rancid album that was just called Rancid that was released mm-hmm. in 2000, and the uh, Johnny Cash Joe Strummer Redemption song, 12 inch single. So, Good yeah, choices. so that's, yeah, yeah. So, I've got those up uh, on my wall. Um, so, yeah, so I, I do love stiff little fingers, but yeah, so that's, um, sorry, I've just side, sidetracked. I wanted to give some, uh, non no effect stuff for <laughs> people who might be, uh, thinking we're get, going, well, if Eddie comes on here and can only talk about no effects, what is going to be new about their podcast? So, <laughs> but punk rock feeds into everything. You can't just like no effects. Like to me, if you say no effects, yeah, I instantly think of the Vandals. I think of Rancid. I think yeah. of again those Rock Against Bush albums. The best Alkaline Trio song I first heard on one of those. Warbrain, amazing. Oh, isn't it? I think that's it's... one of the best punk rock songs of all time. It absolutely agree with you. It is. It is my absolute. It's. It is up there. It's easily top three Alkaline Trio yeah. songs for me. So good. And again, my top fives top tens whatever are very very liquid they <laughs> flow in and out of one another so uh yeah no Warbrain is is stunning unbelievable um, they, i remember uh, just listening to that endlessly like again yeah. and again and again and i'm still not bored of it and it, it lasts a, it la- i think it's less than two minutes long including the spoken word poem thing at the yeah. beginning and 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 it and they gave that to a comp you know what I mean? It's yeah. like there's a couple of tracks on there where you think, "Oh, that's nice of you to give that B side to Mike for his little c- compilation, whatever." But, um, but no, they they just oh, amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. Love Alkaline Trio. Yeah, it's that song's perfect. The other one that's really good is uh, there's a Ghetto Kids song that's on. I think the first Rock Against Bush might be the oh, second yeah. one. 
very, very good. Lion and the Lamb, I think it's called. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I'm sure that's on there. It's one that I get in my head a lot and just sing around the house, but I never <laughs> go out my way to listen to that song anymore because I don't listen to those albums. But I yeah. guess that's what you made a good point on how you can find things through Bandcamp. And even though Spotify is obviously evil, its yeah. algorithms do recommend good stuff. Other playlists sure. are very helpful. Yeah. But it, it's modernized the way that you would have found out bands through all those mm. compilation albums because I haven't bought a compilation album in years and years and years. And I hope this no. sort of thing, but I don't know. Yeah, the the sort of I mean that was how that was how uh No Effects and Fat Records partially how they became uh, a success with is that they would take they would give away a couple of hundred CDs every gig they did on their tour and then it meant that bands on Fat would be able to do their own tour there that because people would go Oh, we've all, you know, and and it would be the song on the album that everyone went crazy for on on that free, you know, on that album they got given at the uh, No Effects gig. Well, like um, I remember, and I thought that did happen because I mean, I'm sure um, I've I've heard you mention on the podcast the um, the uh, the Kerrang cover CD mm-hmm. was such a vital thing to and i imagine if any band got on that they were just like hi oh, yeah absolutely because i went to see at the drive-in in yeah. 2000 at the cockpit in leeds and they were quite good they were they were pretty good and the first few songs people were like yeah this is good then they played cosmonaut which was the one on that album and the place just <laughs> went oh it, expl- just ballistic and they sort of and they looked sort of really confused. They're like, oh what you make track ten on our on our latest album. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding? That's Cosmonaut. That's the best one on it. And it's the best one on it because it was the one that we'd all listened to the most because it was the most interesting song on that particular yeah. thing. I might even still have the Kerrang um cover disc with that one on it because uh, that was a good one. But yeah, that the the importance of comps is incredible. And also um to a lesser extent, splits. Mm-hmm split eps and stuff like that because um you know the um, no effects have done a, a few uh good ones they did one with frank turner a few years ago a couple of years ago where they covered each other's songs they've done one with rancid where they covered yeah. each other's songs um the rancid uh, they... one's great i remember i listened to that yeah. a lot i just it's yeah, enjoyable it and it's creating a world of like knowing that these bands know each other it's just heartwarming yes. it's just nice knowing that they hang out and get on it is it's it's already something covered in um that what we do is uh, if we talk too much about a band that isn't no effects then we clip that bit out and pop it on instagram as a as a little bonus and so we've got a few of the or or any sidelines any um tangents that sort of because we don't want the podcast to get overly stodgy we like to keep them quite trim and so uh, no intros or outros we're punk uh, so um one of the things is this little head cannon i've got of all bands live in the same house and have weird little sitcom adventures together Lush. and you know and and i can't help but feel that way even now even though i'm fully aware there are bands where the people live in different countries from one another you know, it's um you know, I know that, you know, flogging Molly, um, the singer and violinist who are married, they live together in Ireland and the rest of them live in various places around the United States. No, they they all live in that cottage in Ireland, as far as I'm concerned, you know, and 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 that's you know, and hel- hilarity ensues. Um, but having those, 
yeah, bands who know each other and get on and will appear on each other's records and will, you know, all of that kind of thing. It makes this fun little idea of a community. And I think that's, you know, punk rock has always had that. It's not just a style of music. It's also a lifestyle and an attitude. And it's always been DIY. That's, you know, to be, to, you know, to do what we do, to be stand-ups, to do comedy, to to make podcasts without being invited to by a large company. It's all DIY. You've got to do what you can. You know, I'm scraping by with a 15-year-old computer and I can I can make it do what I need it to. And that's all that matters. And so and and I think that's always been something. And the fact is, is that no effects and fat have always been DIY, but because of the success that they've been able to have through that, what they're able to do themselves, that list gets longer. Mm-hmm. So when people go, Oh, they're doing this, that, and the other, yes, by themselves. Or yeah. they've hired some people to do that for them. They've not been hired by someone else to do whatever so you know that's that's the and i think that's still the inspirational thing behind it as well if they'd have just gone ah do you know what we are just going to let madonna sign us like she mm-hmm. you know with a hollywood out record she you know um there she courted rancid for a little while she courted you know she just wanted credible musicians on her label to sort of add credibility yeah. to it all and especially around the mid 90s you know 95 or 6 when punk broke you know when um you know green day and stuff you know dookie went interstellar mm-hmm. and they were like right okay everyone quickly right we're signing the muffs we're gonna sign them they're over there they're gonna you're gonna come and do your worst album you're gonna come and do your worst album you're gonna you know and <laughs> all these men go come on come on come on we need this a bit cleaner a bit tidier and um some people did really good albums but you know not always so yeah i think but i think maintaining that is is wildly important and and inspirational it's that sense of community that's really important for punk and certainly i imagine we were probably drawn to stand up for the same reason that it's really free and you can go and do what you want when i played in bands i was not a good bass player but i could play punk rock and stand up's very free and that as long as you're funny it doesn't really matter you can get there and be really really intelligent and do creative stuff or you can just tit about a bit and just see what happens and comedy's a great level playing field so that's me final question really both you and red i know as stand-ups and i've known you both for years no effects are a band i would consider to have a really good sense of humor is that important to you was that a connection with this band that they are funny and generally like great interviews and there's a sense of humor there as well i think that that was important i think the sense of humor i think i mean because the thing i'm talking about alkaline trio there's a sense of humor in alkaline trio it's just a very sardonic sort of dark one it's a bit more velvet smoking jacket than uh but they are a bit velvet smoking jacket anyway uh alkaline it's a great trio, description is... eddie that's spot on <laughs> <laughs> i did you can find this clip on the uh on the on instagram but one uh, yeah i described for red uh alkaline trio as being blink 182 if they were allowed to stay up and watch horror movies oh, it's perfect. Um, <laughs> and uh and and i and i admire that greatly for that i think it is important it's become less so and i think that equally something that you know of coming from a, a a comedy background i think you'll be able to speak to this as well we have mentioned that when we were asking each other what our favorite songs were what our favorite you know lyrics and stuff from no effects hardly any of them were humorous mm-hmm. 
but that's because if you look at the Facebook feeds, please don't, by the way, but if you look at the Facebook feeds, personal Facebook feeds of comedians, they're more likely to be talking about watching Better Call Saul or Ozarks than I watched a thing that was really funny. Yeah. You know, the, the, there seems to be a lot more, you know, the, the, the amount of comedians going on about how great Chernobyl was, the miniseries, you know, but none the of miniseries, about, not the incident, I want to point not out. The, we not don't the just incident, have no. chats. Well, there was that one guy, but we don't talk to him. Um, he's getting booked at very specific clubs these days. Um, but um, but um, yeah, so, but they'll be talking about how great a mini series like that is, rather than how good the latest series of Ghosts is. Yeah, you know. Um, and so, whilst the pre-working in comedy me really, really loved and appreciated the humor in between the songs and also in some of the songs because i liked comedy anyway as as you do the the longer i've done comedy the sort of more i am impressed by sincerity yeah <laughs> which tells you the state of modern comedy yeah. doesn't it we don't get to do it that's why no. is we it's so you've got to do an hour show and an hour's long and you only yeah. get to beat and see about 40 minutes in and then you've got yeah. to call back to it at the end it's tiring you, you've, you've got to you've got to sit on the stool and sip from a drink and talk about how you learned something and then you've got to yeah call back to the bit that was actually funny earlier yes and they'd have to do that so no and i think that's why we're always just envious it's like a busman's holiday as well i think something funny punk rock was always my escapism and doing comedy more so it's been that as well that it's something that's totally different and it's still i guess for me and i don't know if you're the same and if red would would be would be the same but it's i would wish i was still in the band i if i could do anything i'd be in a band comedy's great but i love being a band I mean, yeah, absolutely. I was in, um, I, I was in a band uh, when I was a teenager. I've been in a couple of mm-hmm. um, bands and stuff when I was in my twenties, um, and we were, we were, uh, you know, uh, I mean, we were, we were post hardcore. We were, we were emo before it had the the bad words attached to yeah. it. Um, we were emo in the nineties, guys, um, so, which meant that we didn't have to learn how to play the guitars really impressively, but we could scream. So. Um, and the irony is, is that Owen, the uh, singer and guitarist of that band, has just reformed the band he was in after Inertia. They were called oh. Color of Fire. I don't know if uh, anyone saw Placebo on tour in the mid to uh, late noughties, but you may well have seen Color of Fire in support wow. because their drummer went on. He's now the current drummer of Placebo was in that band. And That's so he's, he's slumming it with them at the end of the year <laughs> for a, a little reunion. I'm like... Uh, not too nostalgic for the teenage years, eh, Owen? All right, <laughs> then I'll uh, I'll stop practicing. Um, God, that's really sad, isn't it? Just, we stopped when we were 18. I've spent the last 22 years just practicing the bass lines, just in case. Oh, you've always got to be ready. You've got yeah, to yeah, be ready just yeah. in case. Just leap, yeah, just leap out there at a moment's notice. But yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think, uh, and Red's been in bands as well. I think, um, I think it is, but... Th- be ha, being able to have a more than one person committed to a project as an adult is just it's it's you know spinning plates it's no it, it it can't work that way unless you're already doing that or you have some form of independent wealth <laughs> you, you you just it's too it's too difficult to do so you know the idea of having a band that practices and plays a gig every couple of months is really appealing but I'm sort of all or nothing, really. That's the problem. I, I sort of I have to do it 100, percent or 
or I will find it just slips through the fingers. I'm, I'm not that uh, I'm not that disciplined, sadly. No, and that's what makes the 40 years so impressive for NoFX, doesn't it, really? The mm. fact that they've committed to that and yeah. kept going for that long. Um, and I think, like, to round this out, do you mm. want to let people know a bit more about what you're going to be talking about in the podcast, where they can listen? Basically, Eddie, just plug this shit out of it, mate. We are going to be talking amongst ourselves. We're going to be doing deep dives into uh, the albums, all of the full-length albums. Then we're going to look at the EPs and the singles and stuff like that, the splits. We have also got, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've got interviews. Robin from Random Hand. We are going to be interviewing... uh i've totally blanked on his name at the paul paul from the new cross in uh venue in london who's a big uh, no effects fan has been running um gigs for decades now uh chaz from Lightyear, um a wonderful uh Great. uk scar punk band of the area <laughs> yeah. I, I know saying this in front of you si you'll be going yeah i recognize all of those <laughs> words yeah, yeah absolutely Lovely. this is yeah yeah um we are if you're familiar with the war on errorism, there's a song on there called She's Nubs uh, about a, a lady called Tali Osborne. We are going to be interviewing her. Um, she currently works at the uh, Punk Rock Museum in Nevada. She's been a, a sort of a, a friend of no effects for a very long time. Wow. And we've got some others, but we don't want to jinx them because we don't have dates set in yet. And we don't want to be uh, turning this over. But yeah, so we're going to be talking to people and we're going to be uh having all sorts of fun talking about that kind of stuff and eventually i imagine we will start talking about other bands we'll be doing specials on mm-hmm. other groups um as and when and yep yeah, so hopefully punk rock elite a podcast about no effects which you can get now from all of the places you get podcasts um do have a look and yeah we're going to be having a huge amount of fun with it so hopefully you'll you can join in Sounds perfect. We'll make sure we're constantly championing and making sure people listen. Thank you very much, Eddie French. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. Thank you so much, Si. Thank you. So that was a very special episode of our Mosh Pet podcast. Would like to thank once more Eddie French and Red Redmond from Punk Rock Elite. Do listen to that podcast in all the usual places. And until next time, see you later, you little goths. <laughs>